Students, welcome to episode 24 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazaroni. My guest on this week's episode is a graduate of the program, Michaela Stewart from the Blue Cohort. We talk about her experience through all sorts of film schools, her favorite stand-up comics, and we discuss a particularly bad film set she worked on and what she has taken away from that experience. On with the show. So I've been a film student forever, basically. Um, I was in a film media program in high school, and I decided that I wanted to be a director. I did film undergrad. Mm -hmm. I got a BFA in film production at Chapman University. Where'd you go to high school? The the program like that? I went to high school in the Silicon Valley. Oh, okay. So we were... Makes more sense. Yes. So we were part of this program called Freestyle Academy, Mm -hmm. and it was between the two high schools in my district, and it was an experiment primarily funded by Apple, actually, where they gave us a bunch of equipment. I used to work for Apple, so... Well, they gave us a ton of equipment, and uh, it was amazing. It was Mm -hmm. an alternative learning program, too, so... For a lot of us, we like weren't doing that well in traditional high school because mm-hmm. we were artists and needed, tortured souls. Yes, we needed someone to have special English class for us and special <laughs> film production. And so we did film production. We did photography. We did uh, like Photoshop and Illustrator. You could choose whether to do film production or web design mm-hmm. or audio. Um, I was in film production, obviously, and I was one of five of us that applied to film school. I was mm-hmm. the only woman and I was the only woman that got into Chapman, which was one of the like Chapman and USC are like the top two film schools in California. Mm-hmm. And there was like, God, there was so much sexism even in high school, which is like, it's not, it's not better. Um, <laughs> but uh, Chapman was a really intense, awesome experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dodge, Dodge college is the name of the film school there, which people have, sometimes heard of more than they've heard of Chapman. Chapman. Mm. Um, and what happened after I graduated, I graduated in 2014 mm-hmm. and I worked for a minute. I actually worked on Dimitri Martin's fil- film Dean. He came and spoke okay. about it. Uh, it was an entertaining moment because I said that I'd worked on the film and he had an outburst about how, uh, how things were on set. He was very upset with his producers and he expressed his upsetness to me in front of like over a hundred people at second city. So, wow. Like that, what, uh, how so? Uh, or can is I that, say, yeah, well, I, mean, well, it's I up guess to he you. said it to a bunch of people. Well, uh, I raised, there was a Q and a, mm-hmm. and I raised my hand and I said, Hey, and he was there to talk about the movie. Right. And I was like, Oh, Hey, I was a locations assistant in LA on your film. And he was like, Oh my God, was it as bad for you as it was for me? Was it, it was such a mess. It was so bad. And my producer screwed me over. And he's just like looking dead at me, going on and on. And the poor moderator's like, okay, okay. So, like, what happened? He just needed somebody to vent to. He needed a friend. He (laughs) did. He needed someone to vent to. And it was so cathartic for me, too, because I was like, oh, thank God he knew it sucked, too. Like, (laughs) it was really, there was just a lot of problems with crew, and we just, didn't he was writing directing and producing Mm -hmm. so he was the one that was like in charge of everything and he was clearly very overwhelmed um this was 2014 or uh, 2014 2014 so summer of 2014 trying to figure out if that was after in a world because he just he may have seen because he was on that set for with uh lake bell Mm -hmm. when she did the same thing wrote Mm -hmm. wrote directed and and starred in her own thing so maybe he was comparing the two because that sounds like it was a 
like really good experience with the people that oh, were on that, on that yeah, film. Yeah, this one was like, it was an experience, certainly. Uh, we just didn't, it, one of the things that I learned from that set, mm -hmm. and I'm sorry, Dimitri Martin, if you ever listen to this, um, <laughs> I mean, that'd be dope, but <laughs> the, the pro what I learned from that set is you have to keep your crew happy mm -hmm. or you will have a goddamn mutiny. Yeah. And that is what was happening on that set. Everybody was miserable. He knew that it wasn't going well, and it's trickled down. So even those of us that were like fresh on the set out of college, there were a few of us... Um, could tell things were going badly and yeah. you know we we saw that it was disorganized and we were like well why should we care mm -hmm. you know and so one thing that i on the one hand it's like oh i worked on this professional set and it was a disaster but on the other hand i left being like these are a lot of things you shouldn't do yeah and also you shouldn't try to film in la without a permit even if you're dimitri martin <laughs> Yeah, so uh, they will bust you anywhere. Well, and that's and that's one of the things they they tell us here too. When you're budgeting out, it's like the first dollars you spend should be on crafty. Mm -hmm. Like you're taking care of your cast and crew first oh. and foremost. And uh, yeah, like if you the the films that are working with micro budget, it's because they're filming for as free as possible and they're they're getting locations as free as possible. Everything else is just going into the cast and crew. Yeah. Well, my senior thesis film in college. Uh, it was my senior thesis, my cinematographer's senior thesis, my producers, my editors. Like it was a bunch of our yeah. theses, but I wrote and directed it, and um, it cost fifteen thousand dollars was the budget. Mm -hmm. And people were like, "What? You know, for fifteen thousand dollars, like a student film? Did you shoot it in space?" And I was like, "No, we had fifty people on the crew." Yeah. So we had such a tremendously large crew. Almost all that money went to food. Yeah. Food and like camera rentals, <laughs> and that was really it. Um, so anyway, I will get back to, uh, <laughs> so I worked on Dimitri Martin's movie and that was great. Um, basically then I, there was no more work to be had. Mm -hmm. I was living in LA. I really didn't like my roommates. I was really miserable and I ended up just kind of, I had to go home cause I had like jury duty or something. Yeah. And home for me is, as I said, the Silicon Valley, um, I live in a town called Los Altos. It's really close to Stanford university. Um, we and I just ended up like not going back like some stuff. So stuff started to happen uh, health wise for mm -hmm. me. And that is kind of how I ended up at Harold Ramis. So mm -hmm. I ended up spending close to two years uh, out of the workforce mm -hmm. for having uh, chronic migraines mm -hmm. and um, some pretty severe uh, depression. And that's something I've dealt with my whole life. Mm -hmm. It's a big it's very public I, I had to take time off of school actually even at Harold Ramis to deal with some mm -hmm. stuff uh, with my medications and I'm very open about it it's a yeah, big yeah. like it's a big part of my life it's like having diabetes essentially mm -hmm. um, in that your body doesn't make something and you have to supplement, supplement it, it yeah. so that was so I was having a lot of problems with my health I was const constantly having migraines like constantly just a mess I tried to move back down to Southern California to see if I could get some work I interviewed at BuzzFeed they uh pro they they were really nice to me and then like the next no i waited a month and then they called me and i was like hey so like how'd it go and they were like oh the position is actually doesn't exist anymore and i was like you filled it and they were like no we're just not gonna have it and i was like oh my god so that was sort of my experience going back i was back living in orange county where i had gone to college yeah with a friend and then the migraines got even worse so I I had to go home basically yeah. and 
I spent a year um, working in theater, so that's the other thing I do. Mm-hmm. I work for the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival. Okay. Um, my final film here is about that, pretty much. It's called Shakespeare Open Mic, if anyone has seen it or wants to with, watch it. With uh, Rachel Mason? Yes. And that one. I've yes. seen yours, Starting, yes. Oh my gosh, well, there you go. That was my movie. We did. We, we saw, uh, like, the second week that I'm here, we had, um, Dax did a, a screening of all the blue uh, he did purple and blue, but I missed the purple one, but I got to go see all, all the blue final films. Oh, nice. Uh, so I got to see yours. And that was right, I think it was right after we had met Rachel for the first time. So it was interesting, oh. like, seeing seeing what she's like in class and then, like, what she was like as a character. Mm-hmm. And they were two completely different things. Like, there's well, there's some strings between the two. But <laughs> Well, she knew everybody, everybody in theater knows that person. Mm-hmm. And the character is based on a real person. All of those people are based on real people. Um, Rewrite what you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's that story. We can let's let's get back to that because I yeah, do, yeah. I am curious to tell you the story of it. But um, so I was home teaching. I mm-hmm. was I teach and direct Shakespeare with kids. I work for Los Altos Youth Theater where I was also assistant directing mm-hmm. and I was teaching all over the bay. And then um, I again had more problems with my medication and with my health and had to call it. And I spent a year not doing well, quote unquote, not doing anything, but I mm-hmm. wasn't working. In that time, I saw that Harold Ramis started to exist. Yeah. So I, <laughs> the story of my application, like people made these movies that were like all elaborate and funny. Mm-hmm. I managed to drag myself up, put on makeup, put my hair like presentably. And so for my video, I'm literally sitting in front of the computer reading a script. And I didn't, because it's a This was for video, your bio video? This was for my co- video cover letter. And I'm just sitting there, just looking, and I'm like, hi, my name is Michaela Stewart. And this is like X, Y, and Z as to why you should let me be in your school. And uh, later, I was told, when I saw other people's videos, people were like, you just sat there and talked? But then I was told that that was very on brand for me. <laughs> that I that I sort of am. I'm not... I don't have the sort of like whimsical humor of being like, look at all these wacky characters I'm yeah. doing. For me, it's all very dialogue based. And I, you know, it said cover letter. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to state my case. And I was like, they're not going to think I'm funny enough. Like, that's going to be the problem. And then when I met Trevor, he was like, we're so excited to have you here. And I realized that a big part of my appeal, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I don't know this for sure, yeah. was that I have a formal film school education. And that be and so I think my formal film school education with my formal cover letter yeah. being formal, formal, formal. And they're like, oh yes, well, this person is like a film educated individual. Whereas That's I'm, somebody you put in opposite like an Erickson. <laughs> exactly. It, that is exactly it. Well, they're trying to build a balanced thing. Yeah. They're like, oh, this girl's hella serious. And, you know, and there's Erickson. And Erickson and I get along super, super well. Yeah, he's a great dude. So like I had him on the show uh, a few weeks back. Yeah. So yeah. it's really funny. But if you if you look at us as like being polar opposites, he and I are like tight. Yeah. So it's a uh, everyone. They do try to balance it and create different people. And I'm also within my cohort. We were, I wasn't the youngest, but I was on the younger side. Mm -hmm. I'm about to turn 26 Mm -hmm. um, and I graduated last fall. So that would have meant that I was 25. I turned 25 in the middle of last year. And I think uh, the only people who were younger than me were like John and AJ and Erickson. Yeah. And then it started to get like progressively older. See, I'm I'm on the opposite. I'm the third oldest uh, Mm -hmm. in my, in my cohort. Um, But they also now in... Um, what was it in red? I 
can't remember if it's red or orange leva she's 18 she's doing this as a gap year between high school and college yeah so the the, the range is i you heard know, that extensive I can't, I can't even imagine although it's funny because harold ramus reminds me a lot more of the film school program i was in in high school yeah um because that was more hands-on here's a camera do whatever like loose projects um it was a really amazing experience and opportunity mm -hmm. truly uh and it's still around uh, it's a really it was tough too like they expected very high standards from us and they yeah. taught us how to use equipment and how to edit unfortunately with final cut pro which no, was no longer particularly useful afterwards. the old one yeah um, i use the new one so i that I, uh, I do i am a final cut guy see, uh, and i i used both and the old one it 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 used to be the the better software but now like 10's gotten mm -hmm. a lot better overall like i i actually prefer 10 over premiere most of the time yeah but i i honestly am not great at software mm -hmm. so when i started in high school i was a junior and like we were all about at the same level and then you know people's strengths started to come out yeah i'm like i'm absolutely a director absolutely and a writer and a director but like I would say more a director. Yeah. I consider leadership to be a stronger skill and sort of more of a an extroverted type A like ideas person. And then mm -hmm. when it comes down to the equipment, I'm very like, oh, gosh, I can't, you know, brain fog. Farm that out to somebody yeah. else. Well, and it's not because I don't care for it. I just don't. I can. I mean, I'm someone who's like really bad at math, even though I wish I was better. Mm -hmm. Like. I'm not proud of it, but it just my brain doesn't work that way. And I feel like that with equipment and editing. In my term one final, I actually had a, one of the teachers that said, you know, yeah, you can like because I, I do a lot of the production work. I taught mm -hmm. myself how to do like the, mm -hmm. the run the camera, do all the editing, yeah. all that sort of thing, because I couldn't find reliable people to do it mm -hmm. in D.C. Um, and over time, I, I met a few, but, you know, at least initially. Um, but I, I taught myself that stuff. And the thing I found about it was um or that they told me when in my final was, you know, stop trying to do all that. And it's because there are always going to be better people at it that are out there that are easy to get, mm -hmm. yeah, especially here in Chicago. I mean, with, with Columbia College, we've got so many that we can tap into. Almost my entire crew on my final film were people from Columbia. Yeah. It's, like, it's like, just don't don't even try and do it yourself. Like, find somebody that can do it honestly you better. Know, you got to know how to delegate. Yeah. For your, for your sanity and for the quality of your film. Mm -hmm. I know how to edit. Um, I'm not that good at like using Premiere, but I know I know the concept of editing film. I'm able right. to like use I'll the cut, language cut, to, where to put yeah. things. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm able to communicate to an editor or a cinematographer what I want, whether or not I'm super good at cameras or super good at the software. Mm -hmm. You still have to know how these things work. You can't just be like, I want this shot to look good. Fix it. You know, yeah. you can I can I know about all the aspects of production. Just you have to find people whose strengths it is. And in high school, in high school and college, I had um, usually, you know, all through high school and all through college, I had, I worked with the same cinematographer mm -hmm. pretty consistently. Um, I worked with, I, I, in high school, I worked, there was a guy that I was friends with that was a really good cinematographer and a really good editor. So he and I worked together a lot. He wasn't a writer or director. So mm -hmm. we were like, we can team up and do this. And then in high school, sorry, in college, again, I had a similar kind of group of people that I would keep dragging around for for stuff so again I ended up at Harold Ramis <laughs> because I needed something to do I was mm -hmm. not putting out content I was going to sketch writing class like once a week at yeah. UCB and I was like this isn't working so I applied my case to them 
forgot about it and then got a phone call while I was in the middle of teaching. The Julie call. The Julie call. And I I got into Orange, actually. I got into the first class. Yeah. And nice. I ended up um, I ended up deferring because I wasn't ready to go. Basically, they called with like two weeks. And yeah. I was like, I live in California. I think if I lived in Illinois or if I lived in Chicago, mm-hmm. I would have been able to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can start now. But I was like, oh, man, I, I got stuff to do. And also, I had some more work lined up. And I was like, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars more in my pocket if I wait. Yeah. So is that fine? And they were like, yeah. So that's how I ended up here because I wanted, I needed another chance to sort of get my, get it together and get back into filmmaking after I'd sort of had this big lull mentally in all ways. So I sort right. of needed to get to, you know, pick up where I left off. Mm-hmm. Did, so beyond just getting you back into making stuff on a regular basis, did it kind of fill any gaps that were still missing? I mean, you, that's a hell of a pedigree as far as what you came in with, as far as, mm-hmm training beforehand with high school and 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 college what uh, did this actually wind up serving a a purpose for you because one of the things so i was one of the only director writer directors in at chapman Mm -hmm. who were making comedies because people were trying to make festival darling you know everybody tries to make the wank off uh um art piece to they want to be uh uh, the next clockwork orange or something like that and the movie that i became known for at school my junior year i made is a film called men of the hour and it's about two guys who make a fake gay porno about jesus (laughs) and that and so that was the that was the movie that really put me on the map um, of all the movies I made in college because people were like, what on earth? But nobody else was making movies like that. Yeah. And I, you know, my soft, we, you make three movies at, you make a sophomore movie, junior movie, senior thesis. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I was the only person making, not the only person making comedies, but I was the only woman. Okay. And so again, maybe not, maybe there was somebody in another class in my class, but I didn't know her personally. Anyway, the point is very, very, there are very run. few. Yeah. And film school, traditional film school does not teach you about comedy. Mm-hmm. There might be like comedy week in film studies, but I knew that I made comedic films. I wrote comedic films and I didn't learn any of it formally. Yeah. And I also felt that um, the way that a BFA program is set up, it's very much like a conservatory. Uh, you you stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. You're studying production. You are studying production. You're studying editing. You're studying editing. Like it's very, very specific. And I loved writing and I wrote every film that I made, but I didn't get any proper screenwriting training. Mm-hmm. So here I was like, I can get screenwriting training that I feel like I lacked. I can get more hands-on directing and I can learn about comedy at a film right. school because that's what I do. And I didn't get that opportunity. Which is so weird that I, the, you know film like most college films programs don't spend more time on comedy just because it it is i honestly think it's harder to do than Mm -hmm. than drama i mean you see so many comedic actors that bridge over into drama and yeah (laughs) but you see so many comedic actors like bridge over into drama and do something i mean phenomenal Mm -hmm. with the with kind of their first pass at it and it's 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 one because they're good actors to begin with but two because they're just they you know it takes so much more feel for timing and energy and and playing off someone else and that sort of thing to get a comedy right that it it makes drama easier i think oh yeah and i can tell you exactly why film schools are like that Mm -hmm. because dramatic films win festivals festivals having you know students that win festivals is a marketing tool Mm -hmm. 
And I mean, we have a, there was a guy that I was friends with who has been at the student Oscars twice. Um, he makes uh, animated, like sort of abstract animated movies. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Daniel Drummond, to anyone who's listening to this. But um, that being said, it's in their interest for you to churn out movies that are going to win things. Right. And for me, they're You're like... partially a marketing piece for, for, the, oh, for the school. exactly. Yeah. And the way that Chapman at least functions is as a studio. Like, you know, we have two sound stages. Yeah. We have all these people. And like I said, the sort of stay in your lane situation, there's no room for experimentation. Hmm. You pick your movie, you make your movie, you crowdfund for that movie you make it and you put it into festivals and it goes like that like there's no there's no screwing around so people who like made web series and stuff they did that after they graduated because things were working you know on a production schedule yeah and you know our teachers the school was our producer so it was a really interesting um it's really like a good real life Mm -hmm. prep situation but it's also doesn't leave a lot of room for creativity mm-hmm. like the movies that i made which in college, is sad to say because it's a creative medium and yes you're not getting the chance to be creative it's yes so that's i mean that's why i wanted to come here i was like there's a big aspect of my film education that's missing mm-hmm. and i wasn't getting work anyway yeah so I, I was like, this will help me. I also thought that this would be particularly helpful networking. I, yeah, <laughs> Coming to school here was the second time I'd ever been to the Midwest. And the first time was I was only here for 48 hours for a film festival. So I came once to like check out where I was going to live and then moved. Yeah. So I really, you know, for me, this was just sort of a like a life change to see if maybe we can get career stuff moving again. Mm-hmm. So, which I wish, but honestly, I wish I could say it had been more helpful. It has not been, mm-hmm. um, just real, like real talk. Um, I have had, you know, significant trouble finding work mm-hmm. and I'm actually about to move back to Los Angeles, mm-hmm. uh, because I have more of a connected community there and the friends mm-hmm. that I do have there graduated college are now finally, the ones that did get work are now doing well enough. That, they that they've be, got their own projects that they, that can, they can, be, can pull people into. Yeah. And yeah. But it's like, you know, they say that it's hard, but like, it's impossible. Yeah. And that, and unfortunately, I feel like I'm a pretty bad, like, mouthpiece for it right now. But, you know, even talking to other people in my class and stuff, it's, it's really, it's really challenging. And I'm also someone that's not all about, like, independent projects all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I mean, I do that but it's not like you know i'm gonna make a gritty web series just me starting now like the ericsons of the world as yeah. you mentioned who are really uh, industrious in the indie space and i would love to work for a studio mm-hmm. like i am okay working in an office um i mean hopefully not forever but like the sort of bigger hollywood system like i'm a sellout mm-hmm. i would do it so that's so you know, I'm kind of in a different place than some people, but I think we're all looking for different stuff to do. Yeah. And Chicago, I think that it's time for me to to try a second shot at Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. We'll see if Demetri Martin is hiring. Well, and Lynn, Lynn put it to me one one time. She said, you know, it's it's a uh, um, it kind of the classes wind up breaking out like a third, a third, a third. Like there's a third of the people that are going to go out of this and find something within like you know three to six months mm-hmm. and just kind of hit the ground running there's a third of, of each class that's going to be 
just kind of toiling for a few years and trying to figure out where, where to go from there. And mm-hmm. then there's going to be a third that are just here and decide that this isn't the world they want to be in or uh, we're just here for the ex- life experience yeah. and you're going to go back to the, you know, whatever random job they were doing beforehand or, or career path they were on. Yeah, totally. And I've never that's why I joke that I've been a film student forever. Yeah. Is because I have yet to really gain traction. And a big part of it, I know, is because I was, you know, I was out of the game for a little while Mm -hmm. because of dealing with health health issues. And it's hard for me to look back on that as being a real situation because I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I've been out of film school for so long. And Mm -hmm. then I had a friend tell me, like, well, you were you were kind of busy. Like (laughs) you weren't just that you were doing. You weren't just like watching TV. And I was, you know, teaching that whole time and uh, doing stuff like that i'm actually going home for uh i'll be home for most of july teaching nice i'm teaching an acting for film workshop in my the theater company i grew up at so it's kind of a fun i started uh, i started doing stuff like that uh, um with uh improv back in dc so i mm-hmm. actually had a workshop that i would i ran a couple times there but the goal was eventually to like try and run it at improv festivals and stuff that, uh, that my troops would get into uh hopefully one day and and uh but it was improv and film mm-hmm. and it was talking about how people improvise in films and how they utilize that the different styles of it you know is, mm-hmm. it, is it completely improvised is it sketched out and then and yeah. then improvised within that always get a clean take yeah that's my that's my advice get a clean take and then <laughs> and then mess around that was that was my preferred one which yeah. is kind of the the um almost will ferrell and adam mckay school of thought which is uh, write the best script you can, go shoot that, and then use the extra time to try and come up with, you know, toppers on, on every line that you can get a, a better joke on. They are actually my comedy icons. Yeah. Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. I, that, I love, like, every movie they've ever made. Yeah. And I think I, people have told me that they're surprised by that. And I'm like, no, I can quote every single word of Talladega Nights. Yeah. Unquestionably. And so they, I would love to be them or like to have that that style Mm -hmm. like whatever it is that they do i for me that's like the pinnacle of at least what i find funny yeah it might not be what i can make it might not be my own voice and that's that's the tough thing like yeah yeah. because i'm like the movies that i make are not really like that necessarily but i do think that they're to me like the funniest filmmakers out there it's I kind of wonder if that has to do with just how humor works in general. Like it's the idea of, of trying to subvert expectations on what's the next word coming out of somebody's mouth Mm -hmm. is going to be. And the things that you can do are never going to feel surprising to you. Yeah. The same way that the the weird stuff that somebody else does. Like, I I feel like I can, I can make comedy, but then I look at somebody like, um, Chris Dritzis. I don't know if if you know him and read, he, he does like whacked out like Tim and Eric style stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's, and, and, but I like, I, my brain doesn't work that way. I can't think that way, but I think stuff's hysterical to watch Mm -hmm. because it's, it's so left of, you know, what, what I would be able to to put together. Uh, so I wonder if that has something to do with it too. Like you, you're able to be really funny in your own right. I kind of wonder if like Will Ferrell and Adam McKay think their stuff is the is the best stuff, or if they mm-hmm. have something else that's yeah. you know left to center that they that they oh. uh, bend towards. Totally, that's really interesting. I I've never thought of it like that because like innately my voice is going to be different because I'm a woman and I'm mm-hmm. younger and I you know for whatever 
I mean, I'm not them, so my voice is going to be different. But it is interesting to think, like, you're never going to sound like the people that you think are funny. Yeah. And if you did, how boring. Yeah. I mean, who, I don't want to be like Will Ferrell and Adam McKay, too. Right. I mean, I would love to work for them, but I, you know, would still want to be the first of me. Yeah. You uh, you have to carve your own path out yeah. of it to, exactly. to, make it, to make it past that. Otherwise... Because there are those people that are just kind of like a poor man's blank, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. version of of whatever actor, director, you mm-hmm. know, writer that you that you can uh, that you can think of. Yeah. So what are their influences? So Will Ferrell, Adam McKay. What else? What What else is in your in your uh, viewing um, your your top list? Oh, in my top my top lists. Um, well, as far as I find that like other comedians are not really uh, what inspires my writing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I can go into, like, comedians that I find funny, but it might be more interesting for me to, like, tell you what influences me. Yeah. Unless you just want a list of stand-ups that I like. But I've been listening to a lot of Nicole Byer's new podcast, Why Won't You Date Me? so funny it's such a hot mess. Have you watched Um, uh, Nailed It at all? Yes. That that show's hysterical. Watched all of Nailed It. Um I new episodes coming soon. Oh yeah, I know. Actually, well, I had to just watch all. When this of gets posted, posted, I think they'll be out already. So nice. check out Nailed It on Netflix. I, <laughs> I already I watched the new season of It and Queer Eye got renewed at the same time, and I watched. I've already seen the second season of Queer Eye in one night. That is. I haven't watched any of it oh, yet. The so new good. one. It's like people joke that it's what America needs, and it is. Like it's <laughs> funny and it's heartwarming and it's inspiring and. In a way that, like, uh, they like a lot of makeover shows are like, you know, you're a mess and we're gonna fix you. Yeah. And then this is like, you're a mess, but here's why we're gonna fix you together. We're gonna collaborate. And then you look at your own life and you're like, yeah, I too could like use better shampoo or whatever it is <laughs> that they're that the thing is. But they're just really amazing people, mm-hmm. uh, the guys that that host it. But anyway, um, I'd rather talk about like what inspires yeah. my what writing because it's dialogue that real people that I have that I'm friends with have said. Mm-hmm. Almost every movie I've ever made has had significant amounts of dialogue that I did not come up with. It's just real conversations that you actually had. Yes, and, and yeah, I've actually had to ask people for permission because I'm like, this is right out of your mouth. I'm stealing your essence yeah. and making this. Yeah. Well, my senior thesis film in college was a movie called Five Days Straight, which mm-hmm. was about um, a group of students who were stuck on a birthright trip in Israel. And my friends on that trip were so ridiculous. And my friends from, I studied abroad in, I went uh, and studied abroad in Cannes mm-hmm. my sophomore year of college, got to intern at the film festival. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I was a secretary and I, for a, a distribution company that uh, distributed horror films. And so I sat there and I could speak enough French to call and ask for uh, more croissants yeah. and tea. And then I would sit there and I'd be, hi, we're Imagination Worldwide. Would you like to watch this clip? Here's some 3D glasses. And just sit there. But I worked in Cannes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it counts. <laughs> it counts. But my group of friends there were also really crazy. My friends and I mean, I grew up as a theater person, too. Mm-hmm. So all my friends are really crazy. And so much of my comedy comes from my real life Mm -hmm. and i think that that's either how i process things or i'm like you just can't write this yeah you can't i can't think of some of these things and i uh 
I recently showed that one of the people that um, I see that Five Days Straight is based on, like the the people in that group, one of the people uh, moved to Chicago recently, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Have you seen the movie?" And he was like, "No," and I was like, "Okay, we're gonna watch it, and you have to promise that you'll still be friends with me." <laughs> and <laughs> he watches it, and he goes, "Oh my god." I really did say those things. <laughs> oh my God. You even got him to wear the same jacket as me. And I was like, Oh my God, please don't be mad. And he was like, no, that's eerie. Yeah. And like people thought it was funny. So I guess I like, um, God, I just like so many same comedians. I was thinking about John Mulaney today. Every time I go past the salt and pepper diner, cause it's right where I live. I um, played that for somebody like a week and a half ago. That the audio clip from Salt and Pepper Diner. The the uh, what's new, pussy? Yeah, <laughs> it's I crack up every single time I hear it. <laughs> I've also been listening to a lot of uh, Cameron Esposito and Rhea Butcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are uh, they're a married lesbian couple who uh, do a lot of stand up about that, and they tour together. Did you watch their show? I still, that's one that I I need to see. It it didn't get picked up again, but. (laughs) I I wasn't, I love their stand up, wasn't obsessed with the show. Oh, really? But there, it was one of those situations where, if you remember any of John Mulaney's like failed sitcom, Mm -hmm. it was because they tried to take a stand up and turn it into a show. Right. And it's like, we've seen this. And that's what was wrong with that too. Because I was like, oh, I've heard this. I've heard this bit before. Yeah. Um, he he needs. I think he needs a sketch show because I mean the stuff that he's done that I that I really liked was you know oh hello and mm-hmm. uh, and I mean SNL stuff that that he wrote was. I'm still laughing about Lobster Diner. Yeah, Lobster Diner. Never, and I will never. I'll never get over it. Stefan. <laughs> Stefan is amazing, and and the the just that he was I, rewriting that all the way up until the moment it went I, up, which is why Bill Hader's cracking up on that. I know. I've heard like every story about it. I love being in. Like, I know people like Stefan. I really do. Yep. And it's just such a wonderful... And I I quote I quote that all the time, too. If I ever say, this place has everything, I'll be like, this place has everything. Broken glass. <laughs> you know, that's... I thought of that because I went to a nightclub once where there really was broken glass on the floor. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a Stefan thing about this. Um this club has everything guys it's broken glass Any, anytime i read a club description of any kind i read mm-hmm. it in stefan's voice <laughs> it's the hottest new club yeah. <laughs> it's just called this noise <laughs> i yeah i'm friends with people who are like that and friends uh, the friends that i have that live in la are all like my boyfriend is a dj and he's playing it you know whatever and his name is something incomprehensible and my friend is also dating a guy who we is named something else and i'm like oh god i've been in the midwest for too long i don't understand <laughs> but yeah and when i say those comedians that's just what i've been listening to lately i i feel like i've named three stand-up comedians when i listen to bajillions of them but um those are uh those are like the podcasts i've been into yeah mm-hmm. i i i've been very uh i was trying to think I was like, i've been very occupied with the process of moving yeah lately uh, so that's been kind of taking up a lot of it's an easy space. thing to just put on and, and listen to while you're mm-hmm. executing 100 other tasks. Yeah. I listen to a ton of podcasts when I used to have to drive to work. Mm-hmm. Like that was the easy time to just put them on and, you know, I could get through two or three a day. Uh, I actually discovered a lot of stand up comedians when I would commute to L.A. for an hour and a half back and forth. Oh, and yeah. I would put it on Pandora. Oh, like on the, I would pick on the com- uh, comedian. Yeah, yeah like I pick a comedian that I liked and then I would just like 
discover a bunch of people that I love that are a little bit harder to come by, like James Adomian. Yeah. I really like, um, I'm trying to think who else I like discovered through the Pandora stations, but I, I would write them down in my phone or in a notebook so that I would remember. Yeah. Cause that was just when I was in, in college. That's just the algorithm just helping you find yeah. stuff. Cause no, it's cause all based be on. Like, oh, okay. So I like this person. Now I'm going to listen to like this. Oh, my favorite standup is Patton Oswalt. Okay. By the way, sorry. I was just processing through that. I'm like, why, what channel would I start this with? No. I, I will say m- most Patton Oswalt characters that I've seen him play, like acting out, haven't done it for me. Mm-hmm. Like I think the ones that I've liked the most, I like him when he's animated. He because mm-hmm. his voice is very is much more animated than he is as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like Ratatouille's fantastic. Have you seen Happy? No. Um, Happy on 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 Sci-Fi, I think it is. Although or, I should because I do love me some SVU. And it is dark <laughs> and it is cracked up and weird and funny. And he's he's fantastic as the little flying mm-hmm. unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 for me, it's just a stand up. Like, I tried watching AP Bio. I wasn't obsessed with it. I could not get, I found Shrink through watching AP Bio because I saw all the ads for AP Bio all over everything and I mm-hmm. went to watch it on NBC.com and I was just like, ah, this doesn't do anything. Like, I'd watched two episodes and I was like, I can't deal with this. But the commercial breaks on every single one of those were for Shrink. Mm-hmm. And so I jumped over and watched Shrink. Have you watched any of that one? No. That is like one of the best shows I've seen. And that's produced in Chicago by a bunch of Chicago people. Like, they're, people that we've worked with mm-hmm. in this area that that are in that show uh worth checking out uh well beyond that so what are you what are you working on now is there are there any any pet projects anything um anything that you're either currently writing or currently producing that you're wanting to see come to fruition in the next year two yeah. years five years well there's some stuff well right now shakespeare open mic is um you know i'll be hearing back from festivals in the end of august Mm -hmm. i joke sometimes that i mean i'm I'm very used to applying for festivals and so i always joke like you know shakespeare open mic not coming to a festival near you because you get so (laughs) many rejections and you're just like oh fine but when i have gone into festivals my films have done really well yeah it just has to be the right film and the right festival well and i'm hoping that uh that uh shakespeare open mic does well because it's only eight minutes so it's a lot more programmable than some of my other stuff um but so working on Shakespeare Open Mics Festival situation, um, the project that I started working on in Cats class mm-hmm. got really big, and in terms of like, like oh it's a script, but it should also be a graphic novel. Oh, but it could be a regular novel. Oh, but it could, it could be this, this, and this because it's like young adult. Um, it's about it's called um, well now it's called Rose Courts, but it used to be called Nevermore. And it's something I've been working off and on since college. But it's basically, um, the premise is it's a bunch of uh, people that work for a children's party company. Mm-hmm. And they play characters of the children's party company, but their lives are, you know, troubled. Okay. And, but it's, I'm, I find, you know, in all of our discussions about like, oh, what do you think that you're good at? My, I'm like, young adult apparently mm-hmm. seems to be uh, the, what people are telling me. I'm good at and I think that that was a very like weird and dramatic time in my life yeah high school like just the people I was friends with and just like what I was doing was so weird and you have an odd imprint that's ver- that's yeah, different from everyone else's college I was just working I was yeah. school you know I was doing school stuff and in high school I was like doing theater and in this weird program and I you know had these friends that were 
creative, brilliant, upsetting, genius, you know, yeah. all over the map kind of people. And so that time, I think I have a lot more to mine from. Mm-hmm. So some people, I, th- I didn't realize that until people were like, yeah, you know, I think young adult might be your your area. And I really like writing um, like dumb. <laughs> it's like my drama is always very like, you know, people with mental illnesses mm-hmm. or like, you know, but in a thought, but in a thoughtful way. Right, right. Or, and my comedy is like sex jokes. And there is no, <laughs> I have yet to make a movie that doesn't have a dick joke in it. Even Shakespeare. Even the dramatic Mike. stuff. Yeah. Um, I've never made a dramatic film. <laughs> except for, except for when I was 16, we had to make uh, self-portrait films. Mm-hmm. And Oh boy, is that angsty. It's like me and I'm trying to figure out what to do for my self-portrait and everything I try doesn't work. Like I draw and I draw and I draw and then it cuts the sketchbook is empty. Or like I take a picture of myself, but the frame is empty. Yeah. And I can't write anything about myself because I have no identity. Oh gosh, the <laughs> angst. And I was really depressed. You're like an emo song in a person. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, I did have I did have clinical depression, but I was like... The, oh, 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 I forgot about the extra dramatic part of that. I interviewed a bunch of my friends. Um, I had them go into a sound booth and record, just talk about me for five minutes mm-hmm. and their impressions of me. And they all r- said really, really nice things. And so me being angsty is overlaid with my friends saying nice things about me that I can't hear and understand. Aww. And that is the most dramatic film I've ever made. And I think that I needed to like just get that one out. Yeah. Um, it's like, it's actually not bad Mm -hmm. the premise like describing it you're like this is the dumbest thing in the world but you watch it you're like huh this is interesting this is vaguely deep um but everything else i've made has been uh, like i want to make a film sometime that somebody describes as vaguely deep (laughs) 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 so i can put that on the actual like poster for it vaguely deep that's something that you variety put on (laughs) oh my gosh any drama that i make or write because i always have to throw in like a little bit because rose quartz is pretty dramatic Mm -hmm. because I was told it was a comedy with dramatic elements. And then upon further review, I was told that it was a drama with comedic elements Mm. between Kat and Mariano. Just ask, ask each one of them. They'll tell you it's something different. Yeah. Um, and they were just such amazing influences on it too. I definitely, it wouldn't be where it is without them right now. My goal with it is to, I needed to put it away for a minute Mm because I worked on it for two sessions last year. Yeah. And then now I'm reading part of it. I'm like, oh, this is dumb. So I have to like fix it. And then I am interested in the graphic novel thing. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, and I think it would be a little easier to deal with. Like Kat was talking about different ways to go into it because of the nature of it could be, it could be a great seller. It could be a really hard right, sell. Right. So but we were both like, graphic novels are hot right now. Yeah. Teenagers love drama. And so much of that is making now its way to film. I mean, yeah. Walking Dead came from graphic novels first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's like a really, it's something, it, it has a lot of heart and it, it speaks, uh, you know, to people with PTSD and yeah. people in the LGBT community. And also just like how ridiculous the theater world is. Yeah. And it's just, a lot of people have told me that, that they, it strikes a nerve and they're like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is real. I know these people. And that is always my goal. Yeah. To have people be like, oh my God, I know that person. Yeah. 
the and that's that's the Stefans of the world. It's that <laughs> it's that uh, uh, universality through specificity. Yes, it's being super specific to make it somehow universal mm-hmm. that everybody's going to be able to. Oh, I know somebody exactly <laughs> like that guy. It's or almost exactly like that girl, or exactly <laughs> like that dog, or whatever it is. It's truly <laughs> one of my strongest. It's one of my biggest weaknesses and biggest strengths because I do things that are very specific. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, it's people are going to know it's about them. Yeah. So yeah. I've like made movies and been like, no one can see this. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare Open Mic has um, the the main character is based on is based on an intern that I had who is still bright eyed and bushy tailed, mm-hmm. and the other two characters are based on other teachers that I've worked with. And it's a that really happened. We really did go to uh, for people who are listening. The premise of Shakespeare Open Mic is there's a couple of theater teachers who are you know having a hard time with teaching and then they go out to a bar they get drunk and they perform shakespeare at an open mic mm-hmm. and this was actually performed at a real uh it was performed live as well yeah um so it was a fun it's a fun thing but it's it almost happened in real life yeah we didn't let the woman go up and do it but it was discussed <laughs> <laughs> it'll be worth yeah. a shot well if uh just wrapping up because i know you got a heart out um uh if uh if people want to track you down on social media, follow along, see see this stuff as it comes to fruition, yes. find out where mm-hmm. uh, where Shakespeare Open Mic ends up getting in for festivals because it will. It will. Yes. <laughs> uh, where uh, where can they find you? Yes. All right. So you can find me on Twitter at Cinema Michaela, and that's Cinema as you would think it's spelled Michaela again is M I C H A E L A. So my website is also cinemamichaela.com. Nice. Um, Consistent branding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except for my Instagram, which is uh, m.m.stewart. But Did you try getting Cinema Michaela? You can change it. I don't want it to be. <laughs> I just like my, because here's the thing. My Instagram is private. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't want this to be part of my branding. And yet you're putting it on the on the podcast. Because like, if anybody, f- I'll tell you why. Because if anybody from school wants to follow me, they're okay. more than welcome to. Fair enough. Fair enough. And because it's all, it's all just pictures of dogs, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So go see pictures of dogs So go see there. pictures of dogs. Check out cinemamichaela.com. Check out Cinema Michaela on Twitter. That's actually where I'm the most active. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Let me get this cake. I'm going to turn into a roster. Early retirement. I'll be flying to Oaxaca. Chasing Levi. That was Michaela Stewart. Thank you to Michaela and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The music on this week's episode was Believe Me by Piff Tannen. You can find more of Piff's music and his excellent film work at mangocitymedia.com. This show was recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me, my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have any questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com. See you all next week. Class dismissed. Yeah.